Welcome to 1001 Books, the podcast where you read the books you're supposed to read before you die and see if you're, they're worth your time. I'm Nicole, a lover of historical fiction and Harry Potter. And I'm Chelsea. I'm also a lover of Harry Potter, and I really love a good book that is going to make me cry. Yeah. This is our fifth book that we're, we're talking about today. So Yay! exciting. Yeah. We're so excited to be talking <laughs> about this fifth book. But before we get to this book, Nicole, what have you been reading lately? Well, th- we're recording a little bit closer together than usual. And so in the last episode, I said I was about to start a book called The Sympathizer. Sympathizer. <laughs> and uh, and I, so mostly today, this week, I finished that book. And it was really good. Like, super thought-provoking about the Vietnam War and about uh, refugees coming to the United States and about cultural assimilation and, you know, the ba- the terrible things about that. And maybe I learned things about Vietnam after the war that I didn't know before. And it, and it was just, it was really, really well-written. Like, there's a reason that it won the Pulitzer Prize. And then, uh, and then I just started a new book today, um, A Conjuring of Light by V.E. Schwab, which is the third book in the Darker Shades of Magic series, which I've been waiting to read it for a long time because I read the first two books when they were out, and then I had to wait for this one to get published, and then twice I put it on hold of the library, and I didn't make it to pick it up, and I lost it, and I had to put it on hold again, and this time I got it out, and it's due back in the library in two days, and I just started it, (laughs) but I am keeping it. I'm keeping it so I can read it. Um, but it was like so long since I read the second one that I had to go read the like description because it was it did not stick. But these are like um, magic fantasy novels and they're really good. Highly recommended. Um, that made me think sometimes in series when I go so long without reading them, I'm always like there needs to be a website where you can just look up the recap and it exists. Oh, it exists. That's what I did last night. With yeah. This book. yeah. And I was like, damn it. I should have been on that just three years earlier. I know. Just like you're like, we should be on booktube or whatever. Like we missing our calling. That's why we're starting uh, this podcast, obviously. Yes. <laughs> well, I am reading um, Magic Study by Maria V. Schneider. It's the second book in her study series the first one is called poison study and it is set in this magical world of ixia and the main character is a woman who's discovering her magic and uh gets to go in between these two lands that are kind of at conflict with each other and so it's just a really fun like magic book i Mm. like this series a lot i have read this one before but i stopped after the second one so i'm rereading them because the series is now like nine books long wow and so i kind of want to keep going so Chelsea had a goal this in 2017 that she was going to try to catch up on all the series that she had started and not finished, which if you knew Chelsea, you would know that it feels very contradictory to her personality that she would be in the middle of so many things and like move on to another thing without finishing it. And so let's tell them how many series were you in the middle of at the beginning of 2017? I think it was 72. <laughs> 72. <laughs> And and have you how's the goal going? Um, it fell off around like May, but for the first five months of the year, I finished and completed three series every month, and um, one like novella part because you know YA lit a lot of times the author will go back uh-huh. and make those novellas, and sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. But I was finishing those up as well, and then 
since then it's been like one a month so I still have like 50 unfinished series yeah the backstory to this is that um on the day after Thanksgiving Chelsea and I and our friend Amanda had like a very tired early morning shopping moment where we were like we're gonna have journal like calendars and journals and be bullet journals and we just like bought all these pretty journals and inserts and pens and stickers and we all I, I think I lasted the longest I feel like I was using it for like four months three months but then I hurt my knees and I was like, no, nah, I don't care about this anymore at all. And I totally stopped and all of my exercise goals and stuff fell apart. And so you that's when you set the goal. You were going to use the yeah. journal, which I used just in December before it actually started because it was like a planner. Yeah. <laughs> right. I recently just recycled that because I was like, I'm never picking this up again. I kept the stickers. I kept the stickers. I'm using them in my planner for school, like my teaching planner. Oh, yeah. This, I mean, who doesn't love stickers? So, but. you know, they're going for some good, but... Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I recently like turned a little notebook that I bought at Ikea into like a exercise tracker because I started a new job. I'm trying to get into like a good routine, you know, my schedule's different. And, and then I was just, and I was like, this only costs 99 cents. (laughs) (laughs) This is the level of commitment I can make to my journaling. Because in my heart, if we were Black Friday shopping this year, I would buy that again. Because I so badly want to be a person who like keeps a beautiful bullet journal and that is like, I know. I'm just not that person. I think it's a lie. I don't think anyone's actually capable of doing it. They just make it for their Instagrams. Yeah. I already had, or they do it for like a month. Like it's, oh, I'm going to do a challenge and try to do it every month. But it just feels like life would be so good if you were that kind of person. Mm. But it's just, it's just like, but then it's like you get sick or you like have a fight with a friend or you're stressed at work or whatever. And it just like falls apart. Or you're just tired. Yeah. You're just like tired from being an adult. Uh, anyways, long tangent. Uh, so today our fifth book that we drew last time was called Reasons to Live by Amy Hempel. Um, it was published in 1985, and we discovered after purchasing it that it is actually a book of short stories, not a novel. Um, if we had to describe this book in one word, Chels, what would we say? I would say that it was minimalistic to the extreme. That was an extra word. Two <laughs> words. Three words. Three words. Mm-hmm. My word would be absurd. Um so, Chelsea, you want to give us a, give our reader or li- readers, our readers who are also listeners, a quick plot summary of this short book of short stories. Um, so this short story book fits fifteen short stories into one hundred and twenty-seven pages, and actually, there's a lot of space in these pages. So some of the stories are only two pages, two pages long, yeah. and it seems like they all focus around or kind of circle around the idea of death and what happens to family members after someone dies or what happens when you're watching a loved one die or how you reflect on death after someone has passed away it was very that heavy-handedly that seemed like the theme um everything was very minimal though in terms of how much you actually saw into the picture of the screen because into the picture of the screen those were words into the like <laughs> we're not this is not a television podcast there's no screens or did you I know you didn't buy it on an e-reader because you're holding it in your hands no right I did buy a physical copy into the scene that we're looking in on we, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of detail or backstory or any of that it's just kind of a drop in the moment fade yeah. back out kind of short story yeah yeah, I, um, well, I guess before I talk more about it, I'm going to say, like, if you are dying to read this book, um, come back and listen to us after you have known more about it, because we're about to get into the meat of it. 
Um, yes. Oh, and I thought of this last episode. I know we talk a lot after we're done doing spoilers. So in the podcast notes, I will put the minute mark where we stop talking about oh. spoilers. So if you want to join back in for our nonsense talk at the end, you can. Oh, yeah. Look at look at our like all of our like developing how to do this. It's happening in real time, folks. We're really growing. <laughs> um, I was going to say that the reason I chose absurd as my one word description is because I think that all to me more than just like how people react to death and grief and mourning and sudden like tragedy is I think that each of the stories because it kind of just drops in on just like, yeah, this like crazy a tragic thing happened or just kind of in the banality of normal life, you're not where you thought you were going to be. And, and just that like human beings, we like, we still get up and we get coffee and we pick our kids up, you know, from school and we like go on dates and we, you know, and even when like these horrible things have happened and that just, it's just like that life itself can be really absurd. I think that's the theme of the book because I think they all kind of touch on that. Just like, Oh yeah. Like, after my husband died, I had to sell off his pets, you know, or um, my roommate really wants to be going on this date, but actually the story is about that we're not really living the lives we wanted to be living, you know? It's just that, like, yeah. we have a, a high capacity to just, um, to, like, in the mundane. Like, a lot of life is very mundane, mm-hmm. and we will maintain that mundaneness even in the face of much more traumatic and, like, dramatic things. <laughs> yeah, I... I chose minimalist because I'm going to start off and I feel like I'm always the one that's like, I didn't like this book. Um, You've liked some of the books that you read, right? This (laughs) was not my cup of tea and I can see its merit. So there's that. Like, I understand how people could like these short stories and she has this is one out of like a four short story set. So she's written four little novellas. I guess they're not novellas or short stories, but four little, little books of short stories. And they're, they actually, there's a published one of all of her sets of short stories too. So if anybody's sounding interest, feeling interested in this, um, they can get that as well. But I realized from this, I really like novellas. I really like novels. I do not like short stories because I think that I need more character development in order to connect with the story and so I felt like a lot of these drop-in moments which I was listening to you talk about and I was like oh that's so great I wish I could have gotten that from this (laughs) um but I just had a really hard time engaging with these characters when I was like oh I read about you for a page and a half cool beans Mm -hmm. and so I know that there was worth here and I know that her her writing is great but I just it's not my cup of tea yeah, I, I think I really like, I like short stories, but I don't read them very much, so I must not, like, I don't seek them out, but I do like them. These are, these ones are particularly short. Like, yes. I could do with, I wouldn't mind a short story that's, like, 10 pages long or 20 pages, you know? And I do, I did mostly, like, I liked most of these stories, but some of them, even for me, yeah, they were just, like, I couldn't even figure out what was going on. Like, yeah. Um, but I like I like short stories in the sense of them being sort of like a snapshot. You know, they're just like, oh, we're in this hospital room or whatever, and this is what's happening, and then you're gone. And because I think short stories make me think more than novels sometimes, because it's not about character development; they're more about philosophy. You know, and they're more about like the stuff of life because they're just 
snapshots of people's lives, you know? Which we already talked about last week is just not my favorite kind of story. I'm more yeah. about the humanization and the human aspect. So yeah. that has a lot to do with why they're not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, I did like a couple of these short stories a lot. Um, there were three in particular that I really liked and two... I don't think I can narrow it down to one, but two that I really, really liked. So I think we should talk about our favorite stories. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so one of the two that I have, and then you can have yours, mm-hmm. was I really liked uh, the one that was titled When It's Human Instead of When It's Dog. And it's towards the end of the novella, and it is about this maid who is coming in to this man's house after this one's re- really your favorite i, I really did i did not it. like this one at all it's not there's another one i liked a lot too okay but i right. liked this one. anyways continue to tell them about it <laughs> i um to this man's house after the the wife has died and i just thought it was like i don't know why i just found it really interesting and it's basically about the, when someone dies they're bodily fluids let loose and so there's a stain on the rug and she's trying to get rid of it and she can't and it felt like it was like of course it's a stain that can't be removed that man this woman was the love of her life kind of thing I don't know I really I thought it was interesting I liked it a lot but you did not I just I yeah I don't know like that one just it just didn't I don't know didn't draw me in like it didn't I didn't it didn't res like I didn't feel like the emotional resonance that I got from some of the other ones. Oh, and I, I another thing I thought was interesting is I liked because she was trying she was calling up all her friends saying, How do I get rid of this? How do I get rid of this? Mm-hmm. And all they could say was like, Well, if it was dog pee, this is what I would do. Yeah, that was that rather was than good. but it's a human and I just I just thought it was so interesting. Yeah, I mean yeah, I thought that, that I I did like that part about um Nobody, nobody had any experience in this situation. Yeah. And, uh, and it was interesting how it was all, it was all written that even though she, the story was about her, the, ma- the maid, Mrs. Hitano, it didn't say like she or like I, mm-hmm. it just, it always said Mrs. Hitano. Yeah. I thought that was interesting yeah. too. Yeah. Um, I have two favorites. My number two, I would say is the very first one in the book called In a Tub. And this is, it's, this is like. A page and a half and it's a the woman is like sitting in the tub and and she's remembering um yeah she's I don't know she's just like kind of like reminiscing um and thinking about um but I just really love the last line really so she's like when you um I think I think it's kind of about like remembering that you're alive you know like mm-hmm. being alive and, and then the last line is the last paragraph is like you ease yourself into a tub of water, you ease yourself down, you lie back and wait for the ripples to smooth over, and then you take a deep breath. And here's where I thought, is this story going to be about suicide? But then it says, you slide your head under, and you listen for the playfulness of your heart. Because I think the whole story, you kind of, I kind of was wondering, is mm-hmm. she about to kill herself, try to drown herself in the tub, which I think would be a hard thing to do, uh, as an, if you weren't like on drugs. But uh um, but then actually she's she's in the tub to remember the, how alive she is. And I, I don't know, I just really like that image, you know, that like hearing or listening to your own heartbeat, you know, I really mm-hmm. like that. Um, my second favorite um, and probably my favorite story was in the cemetery where Al Jolson is buried. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's about a woman who's visiting her 
friend um and it sounds like it's a very very close friend like a best friend in the hospital and the best friend is dying um and I thought it was interesting because it starts with this sentence tell me things I won't mind forgetting she said make it useless stuff or skip it and I just thought that was so interesting because this woman is like I only want to hear things that I'm not going to care about because it's too hard to hear about other stuff and then as you're reading the story this friend only visits seems like this one time because she leaves the hospital and she realizes how happy she is that she's alive and she can't go back. And I thought that was interesting. Um, a, I maybe kind of, I wanted to know more because I wanted to know if I should dislike her for being disloyal to her friend and not visiting her more than once in the hospital. But I think that you can assume that it was, it was a selfish thing for her yeah. not to go. But <laughs> also like, I thought that was interesting because that's a very, human reaction to be watching someone in pain and to feel bad for them but that at the same time in your head just a little bit to be like but thank god it isn't me yeah and so I thought that it delved into that uh that little bit of human nature and so I thought that that was really interesting and it was making little references throughout to like earthquakes and how like this is her dying was kind of like an earthquake and like you don't know you're in it until you're in it kind of thing Mm -hmm. and so I thought I really like that one a lot yeah I like that one too I liked that I thought it was interesting because like there's a few times when she's like I left you know before the nurses could ask me when I was going to come back Mm because she just she couldn't face it and I think we all I'd like to think that if I had someone if my friend was dying that I would be like totally like you know that you'd put aside your own feelings completely even though it would be really hard for you and you'd only care about the other person's feelings and you'd be there for them even though it was is difficult to be that person but I think in reality we most a lot of us would probably react more like this like it would take and mm-hmm. we take a long time to go and like to get to the hospital and then you wouldn't want to come back. I think that's very honest, you know, but that's the kind of thing you would never tell another person that you did that. Right. Well, mm. And I thought it was interesting because the friend who's dying um, is not afraid of flying in this story. And the friend who isn't dying, the mm-hmm. one who leaves is. And so when the friend dies, it says the morning she was moved to the cemetery, I enrolled in a fear of flying class. And what is your worst fear? The instructor asked. And I answered that I will finish this course and still be afraid. I thought yeah. that was a really good line. Yeah, that's like a, there's a, a lot of the stories kind of touch on that. Like, how do we process grief? You know, like, um, mm-hmm. what things do we do to process grief? Yeah, there, I, I, not in that story, but in another story, I marked a spot. Uh, where is it? about about that this in the story um beg sea tog ink cont rep <laughs> um the, which are knitting needle knitting directions needle, and this is a person about who's like she's processing grief by knitting like by knitting constantly and like an extreme amount and um towards the end at the very end she talks starts talking about how like it's little things that help weather breakfast crossing with the light sometimes it's all the pleasure i can bear to sleep um and then and then that like how not like lose you know now that the worst is over and i can't say that i'm glad lose that sense of loss you've gone and lost something else but the body moved toward moves towards health the mind too in steps one step at a time ask a mother who's just lost a child how many children do you have four she'll say oh three but years later she'll say three 
04, you know? And I so, thought that was a really good line. I really, I really like that, yeah. My all-time favorite story in here was called The Man in Bogota. Oh, yeah, that one's only like a page long. I yeah. thought that one was interesting, Yeah, it's only too. a page long, and, and it's a basically um, a person, you know, the police there's a person who's like on a ledge who's going to jump and then the person who's talking to them starts t- starts telling that woman who's on the ledge about a man in Bogota who was wealthy and um and he was kidnapped and his wife like it wasn't TV she couldn't get a million dollars overnight so it took he was in the possession of the kidnappers for a long time while she got the money together and he had a heart condition so they were really worried and then during and so the kidnappers like put him made him quit smoking put him on a diet made him exercise and so he got into much better health in their care his kidnappers his enemies and then when he so then when he was released you know he was in good health and and his doctor was like the this is the best thing that's ever happened to you it forced you to get in good shape but then I love uh, the end uh the last paragraph says maybe this is not a come down from the ledge story but I tell you tell it with the thought that the woman on the ledge will ask herself a question the question that occurred to the man in Bogota he wondered how we know that what happens to us isn't good that was Which my, I was like, that's the best quote in this book. That was my favorite quote from this whole book. Yeah. 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 And it's so true. I mean, like, I feel like I really struck me since I just like left a job and started a new one. And when I kind of was forced out of the other job and it was really, it was really hard and painful. But now I, then I got a job that is like, it's better on every so far anyways, on every mm-hmm. measurable thing. And it, but I wouldn't have ever said it was going to be a good thing for me to leave my other job in the in the painful way that I did but here we are you know but I think it is probably for the best you know well and I I think about that too with um like relationships in life when one ends and in the moment you're like this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my whole entire life and how am I going to move past this and I don't understand and you're processing all that grief and then you look back and you're like that was actually a good thing yeah and it like was that a really, terrible yeah. thing that was a good thing yeah and like that relationship shaped me in positive ways and then yeah. you know like getting out of it was also good yeah that's I think that's the thing with short stories is that I feel like because short story stories are like vignettes on life some, Ooh, sometimes fancy vocab <laughs> sometimes all the short stories in a short story book are like the theme the hinge is more of that like is like pessimism you know life is bad and but then I think in this book a lot of them end on optimism you know and I think I like short stories if they end on optimism if like that's their view of human nature but when books any book actually novels I think for whom the bell tolls is kind of like that where I feel like it ended more on pessimism yeah and I just like I never want to read stuff like that or watch movies like that I just I don't I don't like I don't need to be depressed you know like the world is a hard place I don't you know I don't always I can't read about it all the time too you know yeah well and I think that that interestingly kind of highlights my my struggle with short stories because I like to feel enough that I really I really deeply feel the optimism or the pessimism of the story Mm -hmm. um I kind of am a bleeding heart and I like to have that attachment and so I didn't get that here and even though I love some of the quotes like I would straight up just pull quotes from this book yeah um but I still didn't love the book yeah if that makes sense no I totally agree I uh fun fact about me I, I keep like a quote journal um from like most like mostly from books and I like and then not even every book I read but like occasionally you have a book that just has some real good ones in it and I recently um 
I used to just kind of like keep those in whatever other random journal I was writing in, but I made a separate journal out of um, that really expensive leather Harry Potter journal that I bought at the Harry Potter Studio Tour in London mm-hmm. that I spent like $30, $30 on, the little book. They had leather with like a, a metal Hogwarts crest on it. It's really cool, you guys. Uh, and so I was copying, and I think that there's, I will, even though, I can't say that I love this book that I would put a quote that I put that last quote in from in there mm-hmm. you know and then it's funny because I go back and I there's not even that many quotes in there but I reread them a lot and they kind of become I don't know I think they're like become like powerful and they're like things that I think about you know when I'm not looking at them right um so on the topic of quotes one of my other favorite quotes is from a story about a woman who's grieving the loss of her husband and she's kind of processing it through he was a vet and through the way he loved the animals as well and in it she says that um he would say to the dogs he or he would love them no matter what they did it's what I got too I wanted conditions because she wants that like ability to be mad like he wasn't this person who loved her unconditionally but he Mm, was and I think that again that's a human thought too like yeah, and in that story, she kind of is, it's kind of apparent that she didn't really love him back. Mm-hmm. And so it's like if there was conditions, she'd kind of have an out that it was okay that she didn't love him back. But if he loved her unconditionally, it makes her look the worst. It was and an she interesting, knows it. You know, I thought that was such it. an yeah. interesting quote. Yeah, yeah. And she knows it too, cause, yeah, because then the next line is, God, how's that for an admission? Yeah, it's like that's her confession. Yeah. Um, can I say something else about this book? So the title, Reasons to Live. And so this week I was like carrying this book in my purse to work and like reading it on my lunch break. And I was really afraid that someone was going to see the title and think it was one of those like d- like a self-help don't commit suicide book. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that literally crossed my mind because the cover is like very bland, you know, and uh, and nobody asked me about it or That's whatever. But, but it did cross my mind that it, Reasons to Live could be the title of a self-help book it could it would be yeah. you know it could be like a 365 reasons to live like thing that you you know read a little blurb every day like that's yeah what's interesting as as we're talking about this like I didn't really like it but I would read her other short story collections yeah that's kind of all the books that we've read so far I feel like when we talk about them I, I feel I like them more than I did when I read them if that's enough to say that I like it, not always, you know, but yeah. it makes me like them more, which is why I am so glad we're doing this. Cause I feel like, it, and then I was, when I was reading the sympathizer this week there, I almost like, I just like in these books and I see something interesting, I like turn down the page. I almost started doing that in the book, but I was like, this is from the library. I can't do that. <laughs> but because I, I was like, Oh, I want to be able to talk about this on the podcast. And I was like, this isn't a podcast book. Um, because it, it does it makes your reading life more rich you know I guess that's why people are in book clubs but I've never really done that so I mean this is our book this is our book club it's our virtual book club yeah welcome welcome (laughs) yeah we invite you to join yeah feel free to read or not read the books but you can hear about them anyways this this one will literally take you an hour and 45 minutes to read yeah super short and yeah very like digestible um which is nice yeah I also wondered when I was reading this so we phased these last two episodes only a week apart because both of the books are short so we thought it we can record speed a up our faster. recording mm-hmm. time um and I wonder if I would have liked these more if I had read like one every couple of days because sometimes when I was reading a couple in a row I'd be like eh. I did I, bro- I broke them up more I read it in like five or six sittings even though it's really short and I it was nice because because at the end I like just read like the last four straight in a row and I did start to feel like I'm not interested yeah um which is 
I mean, if a short stories are put together in a collection, and especially if she has other books, it's probably done really thoughtfully, these stories together. So I feel like the fact that we both had that feeling is not a good sign for the book itself, because uh, it, they should flow together, you mm-hmm. know? And they do all have, like, a similar theme, but I feel like if reading too many of them makes you feel, yeah, then it's not, like, a really great collection of short stories. Well, and I feel like a lot of these, a couple of them at least, required a decent amount of concentration to follow through mm-hmm. even though they were a short story like there was one the three popes walk into a bar oh yeah I, I honestly I don't feel I understood that one <laughs> I don't think so either and I was like I'm not sure what I'm missing but I'm missing something right because they talk about this guy who's a comedian and he's he's trying to make up a joke that starts three popes walking into a bar for a bet and then it just like veers off and talks about a bunch of other stuff and at the end they're like yeah but I was thinking three popes walk into a bar and I'm just like I don't know what happened in the middle <laughs> I don't I don't get it yeah I don't get it and it annoys smart. me because it's like I feel like that's the punchline of the joke but I don't get the joke <laughs> yeah so that story is kind of a wash for me no good <laughs> if somebody reads this and gets it please don't yeah or if you have a really great three popes walk into a bar joke hashtag three popes walk into a bar and let us hear about it because <laughs> oh, maybe that'll just make the story worthwhile on its own <laughs> a separate joke three popes walk into a bar we should have googled some jokes I know I can't I mean there's never three popes at the same time. So it'd have to be like after death. I don't know. <laughs> Father, son, and Holy Spirit style. Like it's a weird. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I, would, I mean, it says in the short story that he lost the bed. He couldn't come up with a good joke for it. So we're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. I think I was going to ask you one other thing. Oh, perfect. Um, so I've been thinking, I was thinking about that this weekend with this book and the others. Why do you think, that the like literary critics and editors that put this list together put this book on the list because Ooh, personally, while you think about it, personally, um, it's sometimes it's hard, particularly like the books that are really old, like in the 1700s, it's like, oh, I might, you know, there's a reason that they have lasted and that we're still reading them, even if it's something I haven't heard of before. But this book's really recent, right, from the mm-hmm. 1980s. And, and I don't know what the context was when it came out because it was before we were born. And not in a historically not, super, like... Yeah, and not in a way where it's like, I've heard of this book before. And so, I think in general, I'm you know, it's like, oh, like, it must be because this these books, whatever book it is, is, like, contributed something important to, like, the canon of, like, mm-hmm. literature. Literature that's available in English, anyways. Uh-huh. And, um... But, yeah, but I just... I... Yeah, I, I wish that we could know why they put it on there, you know? Because, um... Like, for, in the, for example, with The Midnight Examiner, our first book, it was like, why the hell is this on here? Yeah. It's, like, stupid, and we don't – I don't get it at all. But we but we said, like, oh, maybe when this came out, it was doing this thing that was unique and new, you know? Do you think that's true with this book, or – I don't know. I don't know what this book would have been addressing that was unique and new. I'm wondering if her writing style has a lot to do with it, because mm-hmm. they – it's – She's very clearly an author who thinks about each and every word that goes on the page. Right. Like everything mm-hmm. was put very concisely. Like it's making me think of like, you know, Dr. Seuss, can I write my book in 200 words kind mm-hmm. of thing? Like very, very thought out the way she wrote it. And I'm wondering if that is a part of it, um, because I don't think I've read a book so minimalistic before. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, I think that's definitely true. I think what I've been doing in my head is that every time when I'm reading the books and I think, why do I think this is on the list? Um, I, I immediately am just assuming, well, what, whatever they're doing, whether it's like, it's the style of writing, it's the format, it's the topic. In my mind, I was like, when this came out, it must have been groundbreaking. And I'm just making that assumption every uh-huh. time. But we don't actually know that. No. <laughs> um, we're not um, reading these books. Like, we're not reading them in like chronological order, you know, yeah. <laughs> or like, yeah. That would be something fun to do later is read like three in a row from like a certain time period and see oh, yeah, that how would they be fun. Feel. I was gonna say, you mean after we read the thousand, you want to read them over again in order? Because I don't, we're we'll be dead. <laughs> so I'm real busy. Yeah, remember how we did the math and we were like, oh, we're gonna finish this when we're eighty. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that was at the rate of like twenty per year. What was that? I don't like? remember. I think it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like every other week or whatever. Yeah. Which. Which will be will be close to that, you yeah. know. But sometimes we'll pick it up if it, they're short like this one. But well, when I'm dying, you better come and say three popes walk into a bar, and I need a good punchline. Yeah. By the time you're dying, I'll be like reading to you the thousandth and first book, and I'll be like, you have to wait to the end because I'm going to tell you the three popes <laughs> joke, and you'll be like, okay, great. I can make it. I can make it. <laughs> uh, I think you're about to say, uh, do we think that this book should be on our list of books you should read before yes. you die? Um, do we want to want to count down and say it on yeah, one, I'm two, three, Yeah, I'm thinking we're going to have different answers again. Really? I'm okay. not sure what your answer is. Oh, wow. This makes me really nervous. <laughs> okay. One, two, three. No. no. Okay. okay. We agree that it's no. <laughs> I would say for me it's a no because even though I did sort of enjoy it, personally I don't feel like this book is saying anything that I haven't read elsewhere. Um and I have, I mean, I, and I don't think it's like the best book of short stories I've ever read. <laughs> I mean, I don't read a lot of short stories, so meaning hardly any at all. I'm more of a novel girl, but I just. It's not groundbreaking. It's not, it's groundbreaking. not groundbreaking. It's really good for quotes. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to write down the quotes we talked about because I enjoyed them. Um, but I just, yep. Just doesn't belong on my list. Nope. What what does that put us at? We've got one um the Midnight Examiner was a no. Ansel's uh what was that one called? Pavel's letters was a yes. Uh from the Buttholes was a yes, and then we were split on on the last one. So we're like two and a half yeses. <laughs> we're we're two, two and a half. Yeah. Two yeses, two no's and a half. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I still feel like even the books that we've said no on, that I still feel that my reading life has been enriched by reading outside of my comfort zone or what I would normally like look up on Pinterest and request to the library. Midnight Examiner is the only one where I'm like, what did I get from that? This one I got. I think a really good story about how we started the podcast. (laughs) But this one, yeah, something more substantial for sure. Um, We are moving on to, (coughs) oh my goodness. Excuse me, child germs. Um, <laughs> so for our little, our next segment uh, this week, I came across a really fun quiz on BuzzFeed called "Only Bookworms Have Done at Least Twenty Four Out of Thirty Six of These Things." So I'm gonna administer this quiz to Chelsea, and we'll talk about the things that it says. I took it when I found it, and I was indeed a bookworm. By their okay, standards. we'll so, see. Do you remember how many you had done? I think so. There's thirty seven. I think I had done like twenty seven. Okay, so more. More than what they said it was the requirement. Let's see. Okay, so it's just tick up all the things that you've done. 
Got it. Had a book hangover where you didn't feel ready to read a new book because <sighs> you're still emotionally invested in the last one. Yes. Yes, for me also. <laughs> Felt obligated to keep reading a book despite finding it boring. Yes. Yep, also me. <laughs> do you think that's something that we should do? Or do you, like some people I feel like are like, why we're adults? Why are we reading boring books? I think it depends. It depends on... A, how committed you are to the book, like how far you're into it, whether it's like something that like is like canon in your reading life, like you feel like you need to read to have completed something in your reading life. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. I've read the first three Pretty Little Liars books. I didn't like Those them. are books? They're books. Did you hear there's going to be a spinoff? Oh, Lord. TV show? Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't like them. I gave them the grand old try. I am now abandoning that yeah. series. I feel so, like I, I abandoned maybe like two books a year and often those books I will have read three quarters of them but I like when I go to pick them up again I'm just like why am I even doing this because I have a better book waiting you know but it's most of the time I I don't even have the desire to give them up no Mm -hmm. I usually if I've started it and given it more than like 10 pages I'll put books down after I've read like 10 pages if I'm like I'm not in the mood for this right now yeah but if I've given it more than 10 pages usually I'm finishing it yeah yeah um I see that you're counting on your fingers you don't have to do that because I'm physically doing the test (laughs) on my phone (laughs) so no need to keep track I'm doing it with your answers okay number three bought brought a book to a party or another social event just in case always always I always have a book in my purse me too seriously consider joining a book club this counts for yes yes okay actually joined or started a book club so yes. yes set yourself a reading target at the beginning of the year every year since yes. I was like 12 yes uh how, do you know how many books you read in 2017 so far I'm up to 83 wow so we're recording this at the very end of September uh I just counted and I'm at like 50 something eight but I don't count rereads oh I count rereads but my goal this year is 100 so I'm like Wow. Right on track for my goal. Wow, that's good. I think my max ever is like 70-something, not counting re- Harry Potter rereads. That's pretty much the only books I reread, but <laughs> I've not done 100 those. before. I think I've only reread... 100, that's uh, two books a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I've only reread four or five books this year, and they've all been because I wanted to continue on the series, and I just wanted to refresh. So yeah. they were for a reason. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Exceeded your reading target before the year was over. That I, I've never done. I always, yeah. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever exceeded my Goodreads reading target. Yeah, I don't think that, I've never, I've never actually thought in January, I want to read this many books this year, but I always try to beat what I read last year. Yeah. And, and it kind of ebbs and flows. I think like my lowest years since I've, I've been tracking since 2007 in my book journal where I write the books <laughs> that I read. Um, <laughs> yep, I'm a big reading nerd. Um, that, I think my lowest is like 35 in like a year that I was in college, right? Yeah. Like so, And then I think my highest is like 70-something when I was living abroad and didn't have anything else to do at night. <laughs> I, I average around 70 every year. Yeah. Uh, but I also read a lot more YA than you do, which just goes so fast. That's true, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think my average in this low 60s, um, but... And then I, in my journal, I have a little star system. They get one star if they were good, and I like recommend them, and then two stars if they were outstanding. And then when I'm like stuck and don't have anything in the read, I go back and I look up books by those authors, or when I want to buy yeah. someone a book as a gift. So I it's do a whole all thing. that. On it's a whole thing. My, yeah, you're more tech tech savvy in it. I feel like I like having the paper. I bought a really pretty leather bound journal for it. It's the best. <laughs> I I love it on Goodreads. My uh, Goodreads TBR list is about 600 books long because I have a problem. Dang, that's a lot. Okay, let's keep going. Um, 
spent over half an hour browsing at a bookstore. Duh. Together. Together. We've done it before a concert and then brought the books we bought to the concert where we had to stand for hours. <laughs> So, including children's books for your classroom that are like big size. Why do we do these things? Because we love books, man. Um, spent over an hour browsing a bookshop. Yep. Yes. Bought more than two books on a short trip, on a short like vacation. Oh, yep. Yes. I always bring at least two because what if you're not in the mood for one of them? I usually bring three. Yeah. Because there's, which Kindle has really helped me with this problem because I can have as many as I want. Yeah. My grandma always says that when you travel, and she's very well traveled, that you should have like a comedy, like a drama, or like a crime novel, and like a romance, so you can like switch depending on your mood. <laughs> That's good advice. Yeah. Um, spent ages deliberating over what books to take on holiday with you. Yes. Yes. Usually Harry Potter comes. Yeah, and I usually like go and buy books at half price books so that I can leave them behind, but then I always have a hard time doing that. <laughs> um. Oh, and then, so spent deliber- ages deliberating and then gotten more books at the airport anyway. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Sniffed an old book. Yeah. Obviously. Sniffed a new book. Yep. Yeah. Um, been bitterly disappointed by the movie version of a book you like. Of course. Yeah. Ugh. So, so many. Ender's Game. Um <laughs> <clears throat> Avoided watching an adaptation just so you wouldn't solely the memory of the book. Yep. Which ones have you avoided? Uh, I have not seen Me Before You. Oh, I just watched that because it's on Amazon. It was it was an okay adaption, but of course it's depressing as hell. I also... Oh, Did you read After You, the sequel to that? No, I It's really not. good. You should read it. Um, there's another one that I haven't... There's a couple that just when they... I don't remember now, but when they came out in theaters, I was like, nope, can't do it. Yeah. Um, judge someone for organizing their books aesthetically rather than practically. No, because I'm tempted to do that. I do it. I arrange mine by color. Yeah, I can't judge. It's nicer. I just bought some like white bookshelves and they're like, they're like in a pretty like sunset rainbow. I'm all, I don't, yeah, I don't rain them by well, color. And I, I remember the cover. So I'm going to remember the color of it. So if yeah. I did it by color, I'd remember. I also do by my height a lot. By your height? No, by their height. Oh, by their height. I was <laughs> just like the ones you can see at eye level. Because the then you have you. one shelf that starts the left side is the tallest. Oh, yeah. And then the other way, the other down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yep. that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> I like them by color. And I don't buy a lot of books until we started doing this. Because, of course, we're all buying them because we want to own them all at the end. Because, <laughs> you know, who wants? Because the- who doesn't want to own a thousand books, some of which you probably won't like? <laughs> Not us. We want to. We want to move those to every place we live for the rest of our lives. Um, but usually I just only get books in the library. And so it's, yeah. it's not like I have so many books that I can't find the yeah. book that I'm looking for, you know. Um, run out of space for all your books. Yes. Um, so you had to stack some on the floor or wedged horizontally into bookshelf gaps. I have not done this You're with my home books, <laughs> but I have done it with my classroom books. So okay. I think it counts. counts. Yeah. Dreamed of having a library at home. Yes. Uh, stayed up until 3 a.m. so you could finish a book. More times than I can count. Yeah. My mom always told me this story when I was growing up that in high school she was reading Gone with the Wind and her mom like was like, yo, I go to bed. It's a school night, you know, and then she was like, no, like it's Gone with the Wind. And then her mom let her stay up all night and re- finish it and skip school the next day without getting in trouble. <laughs> the number of times, I mean, I shouldn't say this. I'm a really great teacher, but the number of times <laughs> I've gone to the classroom the next day being like, I've only slept three hours because I had to finish this book. Yeah. It's the <laughs> only thing that makes me stay up too late on a work night. Nothing else will do it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, been so immersed reading a book on a bus or a train that you missed your stop. No, I've never done that. That would make me panic. Mm-hmm. Felt disappo- so disappointed by a book's ending that you ranted about it to someone. <sighs> yes. Definitely. I immediately comes to mind um, the Court of Thorns books. Those those books. Oh, the that ending, ending. The third ending. The third book. The books were so good. The ending. <sighs> yeah, just too easy. And then the, what are those ones? Those YA. It's a trilogy where like they live in a universe where they you have like a thing and it takes out way your ability to love. Oh, delirium. The ending of those sucked. <clears throat> we rant about both those together. um or looked up online to see if other people also hated the ending of course yeah definitely um struggled to come up with a definitive answer when someone asked you what your all-time favorite book was yes we just did that on this podcast and struggle it was really hard ben moved it near tears because a character you love died Uh, you mean real real tears obviously (laughs) um gotten upset towards the end of a good book because you didn't want the journey to be over yes that's why I love long books because I'm a fast reader and they'll just go by too quick. <laughs> I mean, if J.K. Rowling wanted to keep popping out of Harry Potter for the rest of her life, they could not be good anymore and I would still no. read them. Hogwarts of History. That's what I'm saying. I know. I know. Yeah, I'd read them forever. Um, seen someone reading a book you like in public and wanting to strike up a conversation about it. Yes. Have I ever done it? No. Yeah. Um, had a bookshop loyalty card. Yes. Uh, ended up on an emotional roller coaster because the cover and blurb of, blurb of a book brought you you bought was actually very misleading. Oh yeah, that's the worst. Um, been been annoyed when a book you liked was re-released with an uglier cover. Why do they do that? Why the movie covers? They're so hideous. Well, and you're like, I don't need those characters. Those weren't my pictured I had in my head. Yeah, and I want to try to sustain that, even though now you've like cast someone in that role. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know you've done this one. Bought multiple editions of a book because the covers were so nice. Yes. <laughs> Reread the same book over and over again instead of starting a new one you bought more recently. Yes. Owned a tote bag or badge proclaiming, proclaiming your love of books. Yes. <laughs> um, felt nervous lending someone a book in case it gets ruined. Yes. You know what? This is a, a fact of uh, Nicole and I's history that she might not know. There was a time period where I didn't want to lend her books because she burns pages. <laughs> I don't do that on other people. I do that on other people's books. Please tell me that was like in eighth grade. I'm ashamed. Yeah, in middle school. <laughs> but I still lent you them. Well, that's that's why we're still friends, apparently. <laughs> but I just think you remember. I just knew you were going to say Nicole once destroyed one of my books. She It wasn't destroyed. She just borrowed a book. And I think it was one of the Left Behind books. Oh, yeah. We did read those at the same time. In middle time, school, yeah. early high school. And one of the pages was bent. And I was like, who bends pages? And she was like. Oh, they're like, it's like a bookmark. And I was like, that's not true. That's yeah. not true. <laughs> well, I don't do that anymore. I only do it on these because I always read library books. Yeah. But on these books for the intention of the podcast. But I have broken that habit. <laughs> I'm sure we uh, had a fight about it at the time. <laughs> probably. I don't remember it. <laughs> um, and the last one is um, like someone a hundred times more after finding out they read and enjoyed a book you recommended to them. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, show me my results. I'm a bookworm. 33 out of 36. (laughs) You're most definitely a bookworm. You love to read, and your collection of books is massive. You could spend hours in a bookshop and spend a lot of your spare time reading or looking up what books to read next. I once had someone I knew in my life tell me that reading wasn't a good enough hobby, that it didn't count. What? (laughs) And it made made me dislike them. Yeah, that's terrible. Reading is like my only introverted hobby. (laughs) 
Well, I'm a major introvert, yeah. so it's my major. But hobby, it's totally a but... hobby, and I feel like it it outranks a lot of other people, other hobbies that people have as like being worth like getting something out of it that lasts. Yes. I just was like, oh nope. It is true that Done. I have when someone like if I've been on like a online first date or whatever, and and someone is like tells me that they don't read, I'm just like, ugh, like because in my mind that just means. You're not smart, even though that's I know that's not always true. But in a situation like that, where you're making abrupt first time judgments, I'm immediately like, "Ugh, I'm not interested in you at all. <laughs> yeah, my my current boyfriend who's probably listening. He's in the house while we're recording this. Doesn't read very often. And it's OK because he's read Harry Potter. If he had, I wouldn't be dating yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, it's also OK because he provides all of our equipment to do the podcast and cooks his dinner every time we record. So I'm willing to give him a pass. But I still demand that he comes on to the podcast as a guest. Uh, and reads one of the books. <laughs> Just one out of a thousand. I think that's a reasonable expectation. A thousand and one. A thousand and one. He reads the one. All right. Well, we are kind of starting to ramble as we're delirious on this Wednesday night when we're recording this. <laughs> so we want to remind you to rate and review this episode so more people can find it. Yes. And we're going to draw our book for next time. <laughs> and I'm pulling it out of the hat. And it's called... Life is a Caravan Sarai. What do we think that's about? I think gypsies. Gypsies? Caravan. Caravan. It does make me think of the, more of like the Middle East, which would be cool if it was like by a Middle Eastern author. I feel like I haven't read a lot about that. Do we think that it's old or more recent? Because I have no idea what a Caravan Sarai is, I'm going to yeah. say old. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I concur that... Yeah, I feel like that. It's feel like that. It's old, and maybe it's it's a translation of some cool ancient Middle Eastern thing uh, that we don't know anything about. Yeah. Um, so we'll be uh, reading and reviewing that in our next episode, everybody. Book number six, and we want to invite you guys to find us on Twitter and Facebook at one thousand and one books pod, or you can email us at one thousand and one books podcast at gmail.com. We want we love to hear from you and come up with, if you have any ideas for things you want to talk about in our little extra segment every time about books. Um, or if you have thoughts on any of the books we read, we'd love to hear them. Or if you have recommendations for things you think should be on the 1001 books list in replacement of this Reasons to Live. Uh, yeah, a great short, another great short stories. Cool too. Yeah, yeah. Maybe at some point we'll try to read some books that you guys recommend to us and see if we think they should be on the list. We're just all about overcommitting to reading. Yeah, let's, let's read two books every episode. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Happy reading. Have a good night or morning. <laughs>